we have been studying and going through these last couple, or this last month, um, let's see if I can say it, I've got it, all I have in my head right now is Malachi, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So, normally I just start at Genesis, and then that's how I say it, so um, we've been going through there, and um, I want to open up, because we are studying these prophets, uh, some refer to them as the minor prophets. Um, there's nothing minor about them. They're just shorter books. In fact, everything definitely like after the book of Daniel, sometimes by the Jewish people, is viewed as one entire book. And I do think that's significant to think about it in terms of one thing, the Word of God is an entire book. But two, um, when you begin to read and you see what one prophet has written and some of them lived you know, exact at the same times and, and then another one and you hear the call and you hear the call and you hear the warning and then you see the prophetic word and the promises of Jesus Christ in the end, you know, it, it all flows together. Um, so since we are studying out of those books and we're wrapping it up, I thought I would turn to the book of Mark. Um, <laughs> So I just want to begin with Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and, I, and I'm here, um, it fits really well with the fact that our quizzers are quizzing out of the book of Mark, and it begins with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then we can just start out verse 4 that says, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Lord Jesus, speak to us tonight. Oh God, speak to us from your word. Speak to this church. God, may we grow in you. May we be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, if we want to flip over to the book of Malachi, and um, I uh, have my verses here, but I also, it's pretty fitting when you flip over to the book of Malachi, at least in, in my Bible, I'm going to be looking a lot at verses, or chapters 3 and 4 right here. Um, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I titled tonight, The Beginning of the Gospel. The Beginning of the Gospel. Um... When I was looking at these verses and I was looking, then I flipped over after I read the beginning of Malachi chapter 3, which says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before thee. As I read that, I flipped back over to the book of Mark, and, and I looked in my footnote there in my apostolic study Bible, and I looked at that word beginning. And I had never quite seen it this way before, but that notes down there that that word beginning isn't just referencing the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as in John is now baptizing. But it's referencing all the way back to the Old Testament, all the words that went forth about Jesus Christ. And as you've studied these, these books, uh, um, Micah through Malachi, you would have seen a number of prophetic words. And a couple weeks ago, Bishop did a great job about um, going through all the different prophecies that have been brought out here. I highlighted just a couple myself, uh, um, specifically from these books, not from Isaiah or Jeremiah or Psalms, but just from these books. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 22, his birth is declared when it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, 
Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. There's a couple I highlighted in the book of Zechariah, because in Zechariah chapter 11, um, verses 12 and 13, it talks about how he was going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And then it talks about how that he was going to throw it to the potter. And we know that Judas died there and that that field was purchased with the price of blood. In chapter 12, verse 10, it talks about how he was going to be pierced and, and how they would pierce our Lord and our Savior. And, and going through these books, we can see many more prophetic words. And we're going to bring out one of those tonight about the end times. But this Bible, this Old Testament, this is the beginning of the gospel. And I got just a little bit excited about that as I thought on it. Of course, you know me, I get excited about a lot of things. Um, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, his death, burial, and resurrection was from the foundation of the world. Before God spoke anything into existence... He understood that when mankind sinned, he was going to make a way of escape. And so he already had a plan. And so that's why in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's why Jesus could say before Abraham was, I am. Oh, I know that Jesus is Almighty God manifest in the flesh. But Jesus is also our hope and our salvation. And so Jesus is saying, my identity as Yahweh saves came before any of this ever was. Oh, I am the one, salvation, that stood on the, the precipice of heavens and said, let there be light. Salvation stood before there was ever a person to sin and said, let there be light. Salvation moved on the face of the waters and moved in darkness before I ever had darkness in my life. Before there ever was a devil that would come and would tempt people and would try to get you to sin. Before sin ever entered into the world, there was Jesus Christ, the beginning. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see that right here in Malachi chapter 3. Mark chapter 1 was referencing here and referencing in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Exodus when he said the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face. And right here in Malachi, coming at the tail end of, of Malachi chapter 2 and in verse 17, it's speaking here, it says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, every one that doth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or where is the God of judgment? You know, I see right here, and um, Peter also speaks of this when people are looking and they're, they're, they're looking at the end times and they're seeing everything unfold and they're seeing life and Peter chapter 3 verse 3 says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? But Malachi says here, You have wearied the Lord. I want to tell somebody and, and, and encourage somebody tonight. Don't think that God isn't aware 
of all the troubles going on. Don't think that God isn't taking a vacation and is like, eh, I don't care about all the wickedness and all the evil and, and all that. It's just his long suffering to usward because he's not willing that any should perish. So when you're looking over, it may be your neighbor, it may be your coworker, it may be somebody who really gets on your last nerve. Does anybody have one of those last nerves? You know what I always tell the children when they're on Alicia's last nerve? I'm like, well, maybe it will go, and then she'll just smile, right? <laughs> I'm like, because, you know, people, when they, they lose all their nerves, they go to a happy place. <laughs> no, we're not going to push her to the limits. She has more nerves than the last nerve. Um, I pray, because then it'll be my last nerve, and I don't want to lose that one. <laughs> I right now say, go talk to your mom. She says, go talk to your dad. But, but God is here, and he's wearied by it. He's wearied. He, it, it's people that, that not only are saying, well, where's God? And God's taking care of the wicked, and, and God's blessing them, and, 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 and they're almost making a little bit of mockery of it, right? They have no respect they have no fear of God. But I want you to also not look at the wicked. And when you see the, the people that seem to be thriving in the world, I, I don't want you to let your foot almost slip. I don't want you to think, oh, well, God's doing good for them and He's letting everything happen. Instead, I want you to return to the house of God as, this, uh, as the writer did Asaph. And when he came in and he understood their ways. Why? Because if God is having patience and kindness and, and, and He's blessing that neighbor of yours or that coworker that gets on that last nerve or, 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 or that person that's just driving you absolutely crazy. It may even be somebody who you look out in society and they've committed all sorts of wickedness and you're like, why? How, how can you let that go on? While meanwhile, I'm trying to make ends meet over here and, and, and I don't understand it, God. God's having long-suffering for him. So don't weary God with the idea that he doesn't care. Instead, be thankful for his patience and his long-suffering because it's his long-suffering that has kept me in church. Oh, I, I'm telling you, church, I was just at a place in life where I thought, man, can I even, am I even going to get to heaven Oh, and then God said, you know, brought me back into church. And, and did I actually leave the house of God? No, I kept attending. But there's sometimes, for those of you who've left church and then you came back in, sometimes when you sit on the pew and you got all these things inside and you're like, huh, nobody even knows anything about this. And your conscience is beating down on you. And then the devil's over there with his guilt and shame. And, and he's pounding on you. And you're sitting there. And, and everybody seems to maybe think, or at least in your mind, you think they think you're okay. Or maybe some people know of your stuff. But inside, you think, wow, I'm just here. But, but I'm separated with a great gulf between me and God. And then you have to begin to realize and understand the great depth of his grace. Yeah the great riches of his glory. See, sometimes when you've sat on a pew all your life, you somehow get confused with that you somehow paid for this thing. And you didn't pay a dime for it. Oh, we, we can't go, that doesn't give us a right to go sin. Oh, Paul gave us that thorough or that uh, admonishment in the book of Romans. You know, we cannot just go out and sin. 
but I want you to understand. I want you to understand that God loves you. And he has brought you here. And you may think in your heart, I have a great separation between me and God. But his altar is still for you. His long suffering is still reaching out for you. And he's just getting ready to show you the greater riches of his glory and the depths of his grace. But I want to tell someone, don't weary God by saying, well, where is he? Where is he? Because immediately remove that thing that says chapter 3. And it says, or well, where is his judgment? Where is, the, where is the God of judgment? Oh, you see this questioning going on. You see that God's wearied. And the very next words is, behold, I send my messenger before... Um, be- Send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. I was going to quote Mark chapter 1 verse 1 again because that's what I have here. I don't have this one memorized. And, and, and he says, behold, I send my messenger. Where is his judgment? Oh, God, who was wearied and said, you're looking for judgment? Well, where is his judgment? Behold, I send my messenger. Oh, you, you're looking for judgment and you're actually looking for God to come down and to send people to hell. But God says, I send my messenger. Oh, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before thee. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, there's going to be a messenger that comes. His name was John. And he says, hey, God's coming. And very quickly, on the hills of John, Jesus showed up. He came walking from Nazareth of Galilee. He was baptized of the river in Jordan. And then straightway he went into temptation. And and quickly he began to enter into the synagogues. And he began to preach the gospel. Jesus. Oh, God's answer to a world that says, where's God? Was I'm first coming with salvation. And I'm coming with hope. I'm coming with salvation And I'm coming with hope. Oh God. I want to tell somebody tonight. In the microcosm of your world. When we look at the Bible. We see that this messenger John came. Or we sometimes call him John the Baptist. He got a new last name. Because of his ministry. But we see that as the messenger. But there are all kinds of people in your life. Who have never met John. I've never met John. You're like, well, that's dumb, Lucas. None of us have. That's right. Because somebody was the messenger that prepared the way for Jesus for me. I had Sunday school teachers. I had preachers from the pulpit. First, I had a parent. And before that, my parents had somebody. And you are preparing the way of the Lord for someone. You're there in their life. And all the things that you do, your upright lifestyle... It may bring conviction upon them. Your your trueness to God. Your response of kindness when they bring you evil. Your your, your gentleness. Your your fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. And and sometimes it doesn't seem long enough. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Those things that people see in you. You know, on the inside you feel like you're wrestling and you think like you've had an upside down day. But that's not what they see. They see your fruit. And you are preparing the way of Jesus Christ in their life. 
You're preparing the way from this word that was declared from the very beginning. You're, you're bringing it into them. And, and they maybe have been wearied. And they've wondered what's happening to their world. And, you know, I've had some coworkers say that to me over this last year. They've seen things unfold. And, and they don't know much about God at all. But they are like, I don't know what things are coming to. They, they looked at the... The, uh, uh, the, the killings, and then they looked at the protests, and then they looked at the riots, and then they looked and they saw the chaos and turmoil in our world. They looked at the things that's unfolded in government. They looked at the shutdowns, and they said, really, all this can happen? And they looked at it on a global impact, and people everywhere are shaken. They also have looked and they've seen for, for years the corruption at the highest levels, whether it be in politics or and those that seem to get really wealthy and have their way in the world. And they wonder, hey, is this what life is all about? Oh, but there's a messenger. And the, na- the name of the messenger is Terry. Oh, the name of the messenger is Gabriel. The name of the messenger is, is Connor. And it's Lucas. And it's Alicia. And it's Linda. The name of the messenger is Jessica. And it comes into their life. And they begin to see, you've got something that I don't have. You seem to have a peace in the middle of the storm. Why is that? Because you're shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Oh, they don't understand how you're, you're, everything's okay. Why? Because you have on the helmet of salvation. Jesus Christ, you're clothed in him. And you bring those things. And you have this word. And Oh, it's exciting. You know why? Because there, before there was ever a coronavirus... Jesus said, let there be light. Oh, before any of these world problems existed, he saw it all and he saw everything that could possibly happen and said, I am the solution. (laughs) Oh, isn't that exciting? Oh, that's why his name is I am and that I am. I am the solution. And isn't it so elegant that the solution is salvation for your sins? It's the blood. I, I, I am so thankful he died on Calvary and rose again. Oh, the great price that he paid, and it was a great and heavy price. But if you are involved at all in solving problems, which we all are involved in solving problems, I hopefully you're not involved in trying to solve everybody else's problem, um, but uh, um, you will think, wow, this is a complicated mess. And it's so complicated, I, I got to have a solution here, and I have to have a solution here, and well, we have to have a lot of money over here, and how are we going to make all this work? And, and we need to first prepare this and that and that and that and that. And people write huge documents to solve problems. Bills come out from Congress every year to solve problems, and nobody reads them. They're so large, they can't possibly get them read. And yet Jesus says the, the, the answer to all of your problems is first I'm going to go to a cross, Hallelujah. and I'm going to die, and my blood is going to be everything that you ever needed. And then the answer to you getting that promise is just to be sorry. It is God. I don't want to live that way. I'm yours. And when you go down in that water, I tell people time and again, it's not like any bath you ever took. And that name of Jesus is declared. 
and you begin to, and with your heart, from right here, you mean it. You're like, God, I'm yours. I love you. He sweeps in. It's everything he ever needed, and it's so simple that a child receives it. A child receives the answer to every problem in the world. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? God gave us this book because we need this book. But you don't have to understand anything in this book for him to really fill you with his spirit. All you have to understand is Jesus wants you. And you say, Jesus, I want you. And you want me to be baptized? Okay, I'm going to the water because it'll wash away my sins. It's so simple. We've got this great book. But just when Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift Oh, of the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive the gift of God in you, the hope of glory. When he said that, that's everything right there. And God will then begin to open your understanding. And as you grow, he's going to send you a preacher and a teacher. And you're going to grow. But all you need is to trust him with your life, isn't it? That's just awesome. We just had Pentecost Sunday. But every, every service is Pentecost. Every day is Pentecost. You're a messenger. Hallelujah. All right. Make sure I, I looked at a couple points. I've already hit those points. <laughs> and so the word of the Lord is being declared, and it's going out, and it's going forth. And, and so he said, he said right here, I'm going to repeat the verse, but he said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But then he says, But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. So when I hit this verse, I now see Jesus at the very end. I see him as described in the book of Revelation. I see him as described even as the ancient of days. And, and, and I see him. He shall set as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering of righteousness. I go on down through here and he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone out from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you. I want to tell somebody tonight, God is coming back again. God is coming back again. And he's got a call that goes forth. And he says, return unto me, and I will return unto you. I don't know about who's listening online. I don't know about you folks here in the church tonight. Maybe there's some of you who privately are like I was, struggling. Maybe you know somebody who's left this gospel. Oh, but the great mercy of God is he's, echoing, or he's declaring a word out there. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Oh, return unto me and I will return unto you. We touched on these verses last week. Bishop, you touched on it tonight when you were talking about um, the church building fund and just giving. But what did he tell them? They said, well, where, where's our problem? And he began to say, hey. He says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. And where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You know what they didn't do? 
Just as we talked a bit about last week, they didn't trust God first. And so I want to tell somebody, you may not have been sinning wickedly in your life as far as like I was out there and I was doing drugs and I was robbing banks and and I was uh, um, committing adultery. You haven't done any sort of those things. You haven't delved into pornography, but you haven't trusted God first. And I want to encourage you, return to him with your trust that's why we talked about it last week. You trust him with your finances. That's why you, you give him the tithes that are already his, that 10%. Why? Because you're saying, God, you gave me this job and you had me collect your tithes. You had me collect your tithes. Actually, it was all yours to start with. Oh, when I give into your kingdom, you know what we're doing when we give an offering? When we, we put some money out there, we're saying, God, this church building fund, we're saying, hey, God, I'm looking for you to provide, but I'm going to help by putting down a down payment. Here's some money. You know, God's not saying to you, well, maybe if he is, if he's saying to you, give $20,000, thank the Lord. If he's pulling on your heart to give sacrificially, and, and for you, that's $2,000, or, or that's $200, or that's $20, or, or for some of you, hopefully they're down in the Sunday school wing, it's $2, you know? Um, but wherever you're at in life, if, you know, you don't even have to always say, well, anytime I'm going to give an offering, it has to be sacrificial. It doesn't have to be. It just has to be you saying, God, I looked at the situation, and I'm going to put something there too. Not just your money, though, your time, your prayer. Oh, don't think that you have to have just sacrificial prayer, and that's the only time you can pray where you prayed for four hours at a time. When you see a problem, say, God, I would ask you to move over there. Do it. Put him first. It doesn't require you having to be a superhero or nothing at all. Just put God first. You know, I've gone to the doctor before. But you know what I do before I'm going to the doctor? I'm like, Lord, we got a problem. You know, when Finn eats that hazelnut and he's all swelling up, I'm like, Lord Jesus, you've got this. And I know that you can work a miracle right now. However, while we're waiting for that miracle, whether it comes in the next five seconds or the next two hours, or you decide he should have this allergy for a while, I'm driving to the doctor. <laughs> you know, but that doesn't mean I don't first seek the face of God. Why? God's put me in this, oppor- this world and I have these different opportunities and things around me. But whether they're here or not, God is my provision. He's my provider. And I'm not going to give credit to the world, not to my job, not to my, the politicians. I'm going to give credit to God and put him first. So return and trust him. Return. And what does he say he'll do in verse 11? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Oh, hallelujah. I've got that one highlighted in my Bible. Oh, why? Because when I put God first, and when things get really tough and I put him first, oh, he steps out there and he says enough is enough. Oh, enough is enough. But hear me. I'm going to be like the three Hebrew children that says, but if not, I serve God. If he decides, oh, Bishop, you showed me a book tonight with, by Eli Hernandez. Oh, in the middle of all this coronavirus, this great prophet of God, God says it's time for you to come home. Corona didn't take that man. Jesus Christ did. And he said, I'm going to bring you home. And if you knew the witness of that man, he preached the gospel. He declared words. And he saw signs and wonders of God. And he was willing to go wherever God wanted him to go. And that that was to preach a revival in the middle of a mess. And if God says, this is the way I want to take you, he was like, okay, I'm serving Jesus Christ. 
be like those three Hebrew children. My faith doesn't stand in whether he actually solved my problem today or not. My faith stands in that he holds it. And if he decides it's time for me to go home, well, I've got a greater riches and glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, you need to get this in your heart and mind. We preach it from this pulpit Sunday after Sunday. But why do we preach it? Because we're not going to let the devil have one bit of credit. Oh, we're not going to let this world think it's owned us. It doesn't own me. Jesus has my soul. And he has all my needs in his hand. And I trust him. I trust him. You know, I was praying about a thing the other day. And it wasn't something that I needed that I was going to go around and, what do they do? They start one of those funds and they ask everybody to give. GoFundMe. I wasn't going to do a GoFundMe thing. All my bills are paid. Um, well, well, we should pay them, right? I might get a late notice once in a while and I'm like, Ooh, we forgot that one. I shouldn't have told you any of that, right? Um, you all have done that too. <laughs> and then you're like, why did I pay a late fee? Unless you're way better than me and you're right there on top of it. But most of you, I'm sure, have. God has me. But I was like, man, Lord, I don't even want to ask you about this one. This is more of a what thing. And I felt this nudge from God. I, I really felt like God nudged me. And he was saying, hold on a second. I have all the riches. So if you struggle and you're at a hard time and you can barely make ends meet, and church, I've been there. And if God so chooses, I, if I be there again, and, and you know, who knows what will come. Situations come up every single day. But he was letting me know, you know, right now you're saying you got this. But I own everything. And if I wanted you to be a billionaire, I could make you a billionaire. And if I wanted to give you that little want that you have over here, I can do it as well. So, Lucas, trust me with everything. Don't just trust me when you're at your bottom of the barrel and you can't make ends meet. Or when you have a great sickness. Trust me with your health not just as your healer. Trust me for the wants as well as the needs. Oh, church, I want to trust him with everything and give him glory for everything. Oh, and he rebukes the devourer. And then in verse 16, you know, I just like to go down through these verses. Verse 16. Oh, right before that, we have another echo in verse 15. He says, and now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. It echoes back to Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. But then we see the words of God. It says, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. I looked this up in multiple translations. I was like, is that really what they did? <laughs> oh, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. You know what I saw there? A whole bunch of church people that kept encouraging each other. A whole bunch of church people that said God's on the throne. A whole bunch of church people that said, hey, please pray for me. Hey, a whole bunch of church people that said, you know what? This is where I'm at and I'm struggling right now. But what do we have? We have, and the Lord hearkened. He heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. Oh, I see every apostle and every saint of God and every one from before Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. Oh, every one of those prophets that God, oh, oh he heard them. And he says, hey, I got you. Hey, I've got this thing. Hey, I've made a way of escape. And then God has put you in a book of remembrance. For them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. 
And in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his son, then ye shall return and discern. And now I want to flip over into chapter 4. Chapter 4, it says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, and yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble. I want to tell you that God has your name in a book of remembrance. And one day he's coming back. And there's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. But God's eyes are on those that fear his name. Then they that feared the Lord. They that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Those that put their trust in God. You know what that fear is? That fear is an awe and respect. But it is such an awe and respect that says he's the king of glory. Oh, church, when, when all you can see, and pray this, God, just let me see you, but when you can begin to really see him, not just see his shining glory, but a, just an understanding, just a glimpse of the fact that he holds all things in his hands and that he purchased your salvation. Oh, that he holds everything and that he is the one who doles out all, all judgment. When you see that and you see all of it that he's in control, then you're going to look at these world situations. You're going to say, no, I don't want to be given over to sin. He loved me. He saved me. And he's the one that's going to come and he's going to destroy this earth and the heavens with fire. Oh, when you see that and you see him in his shining glory, then you're going to be like those angels that that didn't fall when Satan uh, was kicked out of heaven. Instead, you're going to be like the rest. Oh, that are, like, that are declaring to God, wherever you need me, I'm right here. Oh, they stand in fear and they, they look and they're, they're not getting out of heaven. They're saying to the, yes to the God. And they're willing to go on the mission wherever he wants them to go. Oh, when you see him high and lifted up like Isaiah did in his glory. And you have that fear of the Lord and that awe. And understanding that he's your judge and he's also the one who brought your salvation. You're not going to want to go back to sin. Oh, sometimes, you know, though, church, we do forget. Sometimes it seems like it just takes the next day, Thursday, and things come against us and it gets cloudy. So keep finding a place to get a hold of God. Keep finding a place because, God, uh, church, we don't want to become desensitized. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day... And, And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Shall the Son of Righteousness arise. You know, Peter, I echoed him earlier. And he spoke about those scoffers that says, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things have continued as from the beginning. And then he talks about how they willfully forget that the word of God created the heavens and that there was a flood. And then he says, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it shall be burned up. I thought about the second coming of the Lord tonight, and 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection. But as you read here in Malachi, you both see the messenger coming that prepares the way of salvation for Jesus Christ. And you also see that final judgment. And we see the hope of Jesus Christ for those that fear his name. The end of the gospel is that he's going to return and he's going to take everyone home. But with that gospel comes the flip side. For everyone that does not repent, for everyone that is not baptized, for everyone that is not filled with his spirit, and for everyone that does not continue to fear his name, they will be lost. Oh, it is with great certainty and no doubt that Jesus Christ is going to come back. Paul let us know that it was going to be very quickly, and yet you've said 2,000 years have gone by. Do not be like those, the scoffers. Do not be like those that were before the flood and those that were after the flood. Don't be like those that have, have said, well, where's the days of His coming? Don't be like that. Because He's going to come back. Oh, in that time, it feels so close to me. You know, maybe God will, will, will let me live to a ripe old age and, and, and I'll die and it won't happen in my lifetime. But I cannot, I, I feel like it's going to be while I'm yet young. Yet young, it sounds kind of like King James right there, doesn't it? Feels like, feels like while I'm young that it's going to happen. While my children are little. And some of you are like, well, well, well I'd like to see my kid get married or I'd like to see it grandkids. You're going to forget all that when you see him split the clouds of glory. Oh, when he pulls you up and you begin to ascend into the clouds and you meet him in the air. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, when he gives you that glorified body. Oh, therefore, since all these things shall, will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening of the coming of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, what about our conduct? Oh, we need to, to have holy conduct. We need to be alert. Oh, we need to pay attention. What manner of people should we be? Church, guard your hearts. Guard your souls. Guard your children. Guard your family. Oh, don't let yourself get carried away by the things that the devil would like to bring up to you. Don't, don't, let, it, don't let him get you all twisted around in your head. Oh, don't let life do it. You know, life will be unfair. And people are not going to treat you right. Don't let that cause you to lose your salvation. What manner of people ought we to be? Because he's coming back. You know, Peter said there that he cometh as a thief in the night. Paul said those words also. But then he told us we live in the light. You're aware of what's happening. Those around you, they're a bit like a person that's in a sleep. They're in a stupor. 
They're a bit like somebody who's drunk and they're stumbling around. They don't, they don't see it. They don't understand it. They think everything's okay. And you know that, that drunkenness example, that's a great example. Because when the police officer says, walk the line, like, oh, I got this. <laughs> and yet they don't. Why? They've gotten themselves in a spot where they think everything's okay. Oh, pray God, search my heart and search my soul. God, search me out and check, check me, Jesus, and change me. Change me. You know, I think that would be fitting. I feel that just right now. I didn't intend to end this way. but I feel that right now. We just have a couple minutes. It's 7.51. But God's coming back. And what manner of people ought we to be? Oh, and you know that book of Malachi chapter 4 ends. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. I have neighbors. I have friends. I have people who don't like me. I have children. I have a wife. I have extended family and they need Jesus. Go ahead, close your eyes and begin to talk to him. What manner of people ought we to be? What should we be? Oh, because the God that brought us salvation. Oh, God, what ought we to be in our conduct and our godliness? Be encouraged. We're actually to look for the hastening of the coming of Jesus Christ. It's our good news. It's what we encourage one another with. Oh God, search out my heart. Search me, oh God. Oh Lord, we saw in these prophets, we've talked about it this last month. Oh, we saw both hope and we saw judgment for wickedness. But we saw you return and we saw you save. And you, God, who fulfilled the promise, oh God, and didn't give up on the, the children of Israel when they were, had the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Oh God. You're here for this people, and you're long-suffering right now. Oh, God, and, and ultimately, Lord, you're saying, I brought salvation for a world and for souls. Oh, Lord Jesus, and I'm going to return. Oh, God, search my heart and soul. Search my conduct. Search the conduct of this church. Lord, you have put a holy purpose on this church. You have put a holy purpose, oh, on the church of the living God. For this hour right now and today. Oh God help us oh Lord. While we stand in awe of your purpose. And we say yes to the call. Let me be clean on the inside. Let my eyes oh God. Be the eyes oh God that are holy. Oh Lord Jesus that I wouldn't be delving into sin. That I wouldn't vex my soul like Lot did. Oh dibalena babashando le bafakaya. Oh, church, only three minutes is past to 754. What manner of people ought we to be in our conduct and our godliness? Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, church, oh, watch your souls, watch your heart. Because he's anxious to come for you. He's going to turn. You see the same prophecies 
that said he was going to come and a messenger was coming before him immediately jump all those thousand years to say that he's coming and shining and he's coming with judgment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, but we have a hope. We have Jesus Christ. Oh, nevertheless, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. And this same one that's bringing us into a new heaven and a new earth brought us salvation. So can we just go ahead and give him some love right now? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your hope. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when you study the Jewish Bible, it ends with 2 Chronicles. And the declaration from Darius, like we talked last week, that God had said to build a temple. But when you read the, the Bible that you hold in your hand, those books were flipped around with Malachi to declare that a messenger was coming to declare Jesus Christ. You are the temple of the living God, as we talked on Sunday. He lives in you. And you're currently the messenger to folks bringing Jesus Christ so that they too can have him. And then you don't need to be worried about that day if you're loving Jesus and saying, Lord, let me be like you. See, you don't need to just say, well, how can I be saved from hell? No, no, don't worry about that. How can I be like you, Jesus? And what do you want me to be? Look at my heart and life. Not because I'm just afraid that fire is going to fall on me, but because I love you. And if you will love him, then you don't need to worry about, is this holy or unholy? Instead, you're like, God, what do you want me to be? God's got you, and you're his messenger, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great week. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord another hand clap. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday.